Another recruiting snafu. Several of them for Michigan since we last talked. We'll get into all of that here on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Friday. We took a few days. We are back and doing it, though. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Happy belated 4th of July. Uh, all of that stuff. We are back. And uh, we are going to get into... Uh, I was going to do this on Monday and just kind of got tied up with some other things, but... Obviously, the weekend did not go as hoped for Michigan by any stretch. Um, last we talked, I, we did, we talked about my recruiting predictions. Uh, I do want to note because there were there were, there were conversations on message boards and such that indicated that like I was putting forth a bunch of inside info that wasn't that wasn't coming to fruition. Therefore, I wasn't that connected. No, I was being pretty clear. The only time that there was any kind of inside info was about Aaron Scott in my prediction to Michigan. I do want to clarify that said, don't be surprised if he goes to Ohio State. Uh, I, I, it isn't like I said on that episode, it, it wasn't a very firm prediction, but it, something like 55, 45, maybe 60, 40 for Michigan, but things can change. Um, that the. The prediction for Jim, for Grimsley, Jameer Grimsley, uh, wasn't. I, I was very clear on that as well. That was just a gut feeling, not the same as Sam Webb's gut feeling, which comes with some kind of uh, gravitas. This was like a literal, like no one's heard of heard anything at that time. There were no predictions for him to go anywhere. Uh, Michigan, it seemed. Well, we kind of knew that they were going to lose out on uh, Terry and Nichols to Kentucky, which is what ended up happening. So the feeling for me was, okay, in, in part that might be because it didn't seem like they were really pushing all their chips in on Terry and Nichols, that maybe Jameer Grimsley was that guy. That was reading the tea leaves. And the tea leaves that I read were not the correct ones. And it happens. Happens to everyone in the business. Uh, th- this is basically a best guess list. But... Michigan had a really bad week going back a week ago today. Uh, out of everybody that they tried to get, I think there were something like seven guys who announced Michigan got one. And I mean, it was a big one. Uh, Elias, why am I forgetting his last name suddenly? You know who I'm talking about. From I can remember we went to school, uh, Deerfield Beach, where he transferred in March. He's transferring back apparently to Cincinnati Taft, uh, the edge rusher. So that is that is a big one, four star recruit, and uh, edge rusher, kind of a freak athlete. Uh, I, I think of him as being maybe a, a Josh Uche type. So being a little bit more of that edge rusher, that's kind of a Sam linebacker type in the in in the uh, current defense. That's a big one, right? He had an Ohio State offer. He was thought to be an Ohio State lean. Ohio State fans were sure they were getting him until he announced on Twitter, "Yo, I'm not, I'm not even going on my official visit. That <laughs> they're out." It was pretty clear at that point that it was going to be. Uh, either Michigan or Miami. I mean, Pitt was in there as well, but Michigan, Miami was 
was the the battle there in Michigan went out. That that's big, right? That's I, I, I feel like the feelings behind that commitment were extremely muted compared to what it would have been had any of the other guys uh, dropped for Michigan. So it all started last weekend or last Friday when Michael Uini committed to Georgia over Michigan. We all kind of knew that was coming, but after it seemed like, <coughs> excuse me, wow, I can't <coughs> do anything. After it seemed like, um, that's not me being sick, by the way. That's me just being incapable of inhaling and exhaling like a normal human. Um, <laughs> it, it seemed like Michael Luini was in the bag for a while, and then he, he doesn't end up, he, goes, he, he does his visits, and all of a sudden Georgia surges. He goes out and says on social media, Michigan lied to me. Doesn't really seem to, th- that's one of those things that's, unfortunate right because no one really knows what the context is and Michigan can't exactly fire back publicly it, it very similar as pointed out on some of the message boards to Collins of Champion who ended up at Miami the, the edge rusher from uh, California I believe it was Rancho Santa Margarita which is a place I used to spend time with my dad um, nonetheless it's uh, it's a, it's unfortunate. Can't fault the kid for going to Georgia over Michigan. Not at all. Not especially on the lines. That's not necessarily like a thing, but it's still a loss, right? Michigan seems like they have him in the bag. Doesn't go that way. Terion Nichols, who we mentioned earlier, ends up going to Kentucky. That is disappointing because it it felt like okay, Michigan could steal another one from Ohio. Ohio State necessarily, they, he had an offer from Ohio State, but it wasn't necessarily being heavily pursued by Ohio State, so it isn't like quite the same as getting Jordan Marshall, but it would have been at least a feather in the cap and a guy who probably understands the rivalry. Uh, but it's not surprising to see a Cincinnati kid go to Kentucky. I mean, Cincinnati natives consider themselves more Kentuckians than Ohioans anyway, for the most part, so it, it's not necessarily a full expectation that if you grow up in Cincinnati that you're part of that Ohio State feeling so that was disappointing um, who else Jameer Grimsley who I mentioned earlier ends up going to Alabama should have known just by the name Jameer Grimsley that is the most Alabama LSU name right like Jameer Grimsley just sounds like an Alabama cornerback so that's not exactly surprising either. <laughs> but I mean, Alabama's obviously got its track record. It might be feel like a program on the decline a little bit, but Alabama on decline is something still that 99.9% of college football programs would love to be. Like Georgia would trade with Alabama in the last 10 years easily. Yeah, they got two national championships. Alabama's got what, three, four in that time frame? So, yeah, I mean, Georgia would, would love to have the repertoire that Alabama has. Everyone would. No one wouldn't. So it's, it's not a stretch to think that someone like him would end up going elsewhere either. Um, David Pele Pele also ends up going to uh, USC. And that's disappointing for multiple reasons because Michigan really wanted that big nose 
He wasn't going to go to Penn State, even though he was a Pennsylvania guy. Michigan had clearly identified him. He sides with former Michigan defensive uh, line coach Sean Nua overcoming to Ann Arbor. So that's not exactly a fun time either. Um, I think that is everybody except for one, who is, which I want to get to here in a moment. I just want to make sure that I'm right there. Yes. Okay. We'll get to Justin Scott, him going to Ohio State. That deserves a whole segment plus here in a moment. But take your swing first at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets. That's up to $200. Whoops, $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to be, uh, be the first home run, all in an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can pay, get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, I was going to double or triple up today. I decided that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to get to the mailbag tomorrow on Saturday. And for all of you who are like, oh, he always says Saturday and it never happens. A little different since I missed the whole week, right? This isn't like making up for missing one in the middle of the week and had four episodes or our current three episodes a week here, like missing, you know, missing, you know, doing Monday and and today and then and then trying to get in uh, another episode. We're going to do a Saturday episode. The goal is also do a Sunday episode, but it might just do two on on Saturday, depending on uh, what uh, what it feels like we have to talk about. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to, we're only a couple of weeks away from big 10 media days as well. Three weeks away. Uh, so uh, that is, that is really happening. Um, that's coming up quick. The unofficial start of the season for us in the media is upon us. And uh, so we are getting there. All right, let's, let's talk about the Justin Scott of it all. Uh, another one I saw, I got blamed for. Listen, the, the Intel out there, was that Michigan was at either at least surged, but probably led for Justin Scott. That was the intel. Um, I can say that the Michigan side, from my conversations, and I actually did reach out to somebody, they did not anticipate what happened happening. No one anticipated him making his decision when he did, that includes the Ohio State side. So I also reached out to someone that I know that's close to the Ohio State side. The Michigan side is closer to the actual, put it this way. The Michigan side is someone on staff. Um, the uh, Ohio State side is someone who has connections to their staff. They, the talking to the Ohio State side, what they said was, we knew that it was a Michigan-Ohio State battle, which is not something that anyone else really seemed to know, right? Steve Wiltfong, uh, a week ago today, I believe it was, Steve's the best in the business, by the way. He, he wrote still, was writing still about Miami being in the pole position, and then Notre Dame, 
and then Michigan. I thought that he was a little bit behind on the Michigan intel. No mention of Ohio State. Ohio State was not at all under consideration in the eyes of most recruiting people. The only ones that were right about it were those in Columbus that it seemed like they were being homers about it. So he commits to Ohio State on Sunday night. I broadsided pretty much everyone. The Ohio State uh, person I talked to, uh, they said that they they had gotten a strong inclination the day before he made the commitment that it might, might actually be happening for the Buckeyes. So uh, certainly, I mean, there were articles ready to go on the Ohio State side and from guys like Hayes Fawcett and, and some of them. So uh, it, it was clearly they had a heads up. No one else had any inclination that it was going to happen. Uh, I think the more interesting coming thing coming out of it is what he had to say to on three about it, saying he was ready to commit to Michigan. And then he continued and went on his Ohio state visit and basically Larry Johnson talked him out of it. And he wants to be coached up by Larry Johnson. A couple interesting things. Some of them have been brought up pretty, you know, pretty uh, regularly on the boards and everything. And that is that what defensive tackles has Larry Johnson produced? Cause he, He's talking about how he puts linemen into the league. Well, he's a defensive tackle. He's not an edge rusher. He's not a Bosa brother. He's not Chase Young. So that isn't exactly the same, right? Michigan just put a defensive tackle into the first round. Michigan's looking to put a second one into the first round in Chris, uh, Chris Jenkins. But I think the other interesting thing is, I had to pull up my text here, is what the Michigan side said. So I was just given these stats points in the last, in, in the 2020s, the last two games, Michigan, 87, Ohio state, 50 rushing touchdowns, Michigan, nine, Ohio state, one rushing yards, Michigan, 549, Ohio state, 207 sacks, Michigan 5, Ohio State 1. Tackles for loss, Michigan 11, Ohio State 5. So, you've got the Ohio, him saying that Ohio State's telling him about how good he can be, but in their biggest game against an offensive line that, yes, won the, the Joe Moore Award two years in running here, two years in a row, in their biggest game, the defensive line couldn't get it done at all. Uh, I, I would venture to guess, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked up Ohio State-Georgia, I'd venture to guess it's not pretty there either. Now, that's not to say Michigan hasn't had its bad games. Of course, it did against TCU. But uh, defensive line didn't exactly come to play. But not only did Michigan's offensive line dominate, Ohio State's defensive line, Michigan's defensive line dominated Ohio State's offensive line each of the last two years. And you're choosing to go to Ohio State because they sold you that they are a better fit than the school that you had an inclination to go to in the first place. If I'm Michigan, I've got to win that Ohio State game. Similar to the last two years. Can't eke it out. 
you've got to win. You've got to, you've got to be able to do what you did against them. And even if he doesn't rethink his commitment until right before early signing day, make him rethink it. If you don't stay in full contact with him, show him and then get back in contact with him and be like, Hey, just wanted to make sure you're sure. Right. Because you, you, you said that you were planning on coming. I do believe that, that he was planning on coming. That's the Intel that I got was the belief was that he was going to come to Ann Arbor. Now, certainly there, I'm not, and I'm not going to get into, you know, what Ohio state may or may not have done extracurricularly. It certainly there is some belief from the fan bases uh, we're not fan bases, but from the fan base that maybe there was a little nefariousness going on there. Ohio State has tended to be more clean than I think people want to believe. This still just feels weird. Remember how I've told you, and I'm not insinuating that this is what's happening. So before, if you're a Buckeye watching this, I don't want you to think that I'm insinuating uh, this. I'm just saying, and this isn't me just saying as in like, a, am just saying that this is what they did. I'm not saying that at all. I think this was above board. But I am saying that usually situations like this are those in which I would flag for whenever there's a guy, I've said it a million times, that seems like he's trending somewhere and then he suddenly goes somewhere that you don't expect, that usually means something happened. Again, I'm not insinuating that. I have had people insinuate that to me. Uh, But I, I do believe this is above board. I just think that he was sold a bill of goods. So good on Ohio State for closing, though. That is what Michigan's missing. Let's talk about what Michigan's missing, because there's a few things that Michigan is missing here momentarily. All right, I hope you all had a really good 4th of July. It was... My fourth wasn't much of anything, um, but my fifth was. So fourth was like kind of waiting on on some plans to matriculate that never did. And then um, the fifth, uh, Sarah and my mom and Sarah's mom, we all went and saw The Sound of Freedom, which I more than highly recommend. It is a gut-wrenching film. It is shot and edited extremely well. Again, I say that as someone with a film degree um, from Michigan. It's funny. I remember. I remember once I I put up film opinion on uh, on um, Twitter years ago, and someone was like, "Stick to sports. You clearly don't know anything about film." It's like I have the film degree and worked in Hollywood for four years. <laughs> At that time, it was like I'm actually more qualified to talk about film than I am about Michigan football. But um, nonetheless. Sound of Freedom, it's harrowing, there's evil in this world, and it's smart to open up to see uh, to see it. And I, 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 I don't want to get political, I'm going to get apolitical here for a moment and say you shouldn't be attaching it to any political side. It's, it's just, it's a really good film, and it's, and it's based on a true story, when you can see videos of that, uh, of the, the raids that happened that are uh that that have all the same characters it's wild and it's not wild not in a good way but it's something that we should all know and pay attention to and sarah's been along uh 
advocate for the victims of uh, human trafficking. So highly recommend you go and see that. Um, all right. So Michigan needs to learn to close is probably the number one thing. And while I have appreciated a lot of the things, the transformational instead of transactional, empower, all of these things that they're working on, NIL-wise, not quite there yet, but I don't think that that necessarily means it's not on its way. I think it. I think what Michigan's doing is very Michigan, and I think that's good. That said, this class went from being like this might be an otherworldly class. This class went from being one in which I was talking about there being two five stars. Now that Jaden Davis has moved down to being in a solid four star territory, it's that looks very unlikely that they'll even get one in this class. Um, which is why I often say it's where you finish, not where you start, right? People are probably still very excited about Jaden Davis, but now he's just kind of one of those quarterbacks that's in the fray, right? It's not, he's not the number two quarterback in the country like he was before. Um, I'm sure people when Keon Sab, if he would have committed in the summer compared to, uh, right before signing day, if he would have committed if he was a five star, he would have this aura about him that he doesn't currently have. Michigan sometimes I feel like isn't as good about selling itself as it should be. I think that yes, the academic component's part of it, but when you look at Justin Scott, if you're looking at Justin Scott and you're looking at uh him differentiating between what Michigan's done and what Ohio State's done. Now, granted, Larry Johnson has been in Columbus for a while. Uh, whereas new guys for Michigan, Jesse Minter, Mike Elston, new guys. That said, Mike Elston, incredible track record himself. Jesse Minter fielded a really good defense on top of it. But you look at what Michigan's done with some of the some of the uh, the linemen they've produced, edge rusher in particular, has been stellar for the Wolverines. Defensive tackle hasn't been per se right. Like Mozzie Smith went in the first round this time, uh, through no fault of Michigan's own. Mo Hurst, without the heart problem, would have been a first rounder. He was PFF's number one player in the country coming out of the 2017 year. So. It's only been Michigan hasn't really been able to field a stellar defensive interior until really the last couple of years. But on, but if you look at some of the other guys that that Michigan's developed between Aiden, who was a first round pick, Quiddy Pay, who was a first round pick. I mean, we've gone through the edge rushers. If you're if you're impressed with Ohio, what Ohio State's done with edge rushers, you should be equally impressed with what Michigan's done because until Mike Morris, every starting Michigan edge rusher has been at worst a third round pick Zach Harrison did not go in the first couple rounds right and he was uh, five star up there as one of the top players in the entire country so Michigan's got an equal equal advantages as far as that's concerned but it, it's always felt like some other schools give give kids a little bit of a harder sell I don't know if Michigan's going to do that, right? Because Michigan is very much like, well, we, you know, we want you to make your own decision. We always hear about how the current players or the recruits are like, well, they weren't really hard selling me. They were just making me feel, 
you know, make, you know, interested in me as a person and all of this stuff. I think that part of that needs to change a little bit, not to tell them how to do their jobs, but it's clear with what happened and not to be super knee jerk because this class is still really good already. If Michigan finished with the class that they already have at the moment, fans would be overjoyed. But Michigan needs to find a way to close out on some of these guys because it, it isn't good when you're losing a guy that you, a bunch of guys that Michigan was leading for. I mean, how many did I just mention? Let's see how, uh, let's see how quickly I can pull this up. I don't, I don't know if I can very quickly, but we'll, we'll try going through the prospects that Michigan was in on. Now they'll still, you know, I still feel really good about Gatlin bear, Aaron Scott. To me, it's a basically a coin flip. Despite I do want to reiterate my, my inside info is he told the Michigan contingent. I don't know about the coaches, but I know he told players and recruits that he was coming to and he was going to come to Michigan. That could certainly change. Wouldn't be surprised if they get Zaquan Patterson. Seems like they're all in on him. Don't think they're going to get uh, Brian Robinson or Bennett Warren, but um, a lot of these guys are are off the list. I'm looking at 24-7's list here. Jordan Ship feels like he's probably going to end up in the class. So if you look at the guys who didn't end up in Ann Arbor, and it doesn't look like uh like I've I, I've like they they looks like they've kind of changed the list or just taken guys off the list. I mean they led at one point for Michael Luini. They let they led at one point for Justin Scott. Felt like maybe they led for Terion Nichols. They led at one point for David Pele Pele. They led for Aaron Childs. They seem to have led for Darian Mayo. That's a lot of like you add all of those guys that I just mentioned to the class. You're talking about a number one class finishing at worst number three in the country. You couple that with the fact that Ohio State is building a class that is becoming more and more insane. I mean, it's they have four or five stars right now. They're expected to get uh, Edric Houston, Dylan Stewart. Uh, and a couple other five stars. Like it, they're on the verge of having like a truly special class. That said, I mean Michigan's still sitting at number four in the rankings. It, it's it. They have seventeen four stars. That's more than any other team in the country. It's they got a ninety point six nine rank uh, average rating. I mean that's not quite as high as say, you know Ohio State or Georgia who are in the ninety uh, threes or Florida which weirdly is third when the ninety two. I don't. There's something weird going on in Florida for sure, but they're right there. They're ahead of uh, Notre Dame and Penn State even on the average ranking. Oregon, LSU, Tennessee. Well, they're just behind Tennessee in the average ranking, but. Just behind Alabama, who's ranked 25th in the in the country right now. Uh, they, I mean, they've got a higher ranking, but they've only got uh, 10 commits right now. Three five stars, that's pretty great. But five four stars and two three stars. Michigan's ahead of Texas. Michigan's in a good spot, but they need to find a way to become killers. Because right now, that's not what they are. They have to figure it out. All right. Uh, if you want to still get your questions in for the mailbag, find it on Twitter. They'll will always only be on Twitter, never on threads. Threads is going to go unused primarily here. I'm on there if you want to follow me. 
I don't know that I'll ever post there. I like my uh, my little Britain meme that I put on there. I'm planning on leaving that. Anyway, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. We will be back on Saturday. Peace.